what's going on. We, uh, I don't know, in the release schedule, we are probably doing two interviews in a row, which is unlike us, but I am, these are, <laughs> we had Avin Devonshire last mm-hmm. time. From Idols, which is like bucket list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy we've got today, Mr. Andy Prince, is also bucket list to me. Like, the um, killer style on stage. That's right. Stage presence, a cool way of doing things. Um, Just all around seems like a cool hang, so we're really excited to talk to him, and here he is. Welcome. What's up, man? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. This is like... (laughs) <laughs> my base daddies are out there doing work like <laughs> yeah. really getting down we to the in the trenches tree. somebody's got to speak yeah. for him you know <laughs> we don't tend to speak for ourselves <laughs> yeah um man so it's it's awesome to have you uh have you guys been traveling lately it looks like you maybe you've been home for a minute yeah well we uh, we had the super exciting show planned at shaky knees in atlanta and that's kind of you know kind of our hometown and yeah, nice uh, it was the first show we've ever canceled because yeah. our senior infection and I ended up going anyways. My wife wanted to go and, you know, we already kind of had it planned and mm-hmm. it was super fun just to be able to go. Cause you know, I got to see some friends and watch badass bands. I, I know I'm a big, like I used to listen to muse all the time when I was younger and I got, to <laughs> yeah. see and they were killer. Of course. Um, I've heard their live show is just like amazing. It's so fun, man. I mean, <laughs> even if you don't really know the music, like my wife was next to me, she has no idea anything about them. She's like, this fucking rules. Yeah. yeah. I was like, damn, okay. So, yeah. Dude, they kind of do have some sneaky hits, though. They were they were all over the charts for yeah. a decade or more. 20, the 2010s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they were. I mean, and, and probably still. They're so performative that, like, yeah. it, the live show has to be, yeah, like, it's insane. Cool. Like, you finally get to see the visual with the other stuff. But yeah, that's... I mean, Talk about bass players. That guy is like, you know, as far as effects uh-huh. and stuff like that goes, that had a huge impact on me when I was a lot younger. Yeah. Because he was, you know, it's a, it was a three piece and he had this like super thick, fuzzy, yep. crazy yeah. sound that completed, you know, the three piece sound and made them sound huge. Plus, mm-hmm. one of the best play- bass players I've seen as far as like speed goes with his fingers mm-hmm. or yep. he'd play with a pick too. It was just like, I'd learned so many of his uh, bass lines and licks. And, yeah. yeah. What was the one everybody that's, does? Dude, to, hysteria. No. Da, 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 that's hysteria. That hysteria? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I, Every totally, bass player at Soundcheck yeah. playing hysteria. And <laughs> Dude, I, I, yeah. Cool, you know? If you I totally agree. That. Yeah. Uh, there was, I think, uh, that's actually a really fun point because I feel like that band collectively was really uh, pushing boundaries on what effects were cool. Uh, I feel like, he had the uh, Matthew Bellamy, the guitar player, had the MIDI pad on his guitar, like built in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like totally a normal thought now, but in what, 2010, 2012 was like mind blowing. And I remember yeah. always seeing like wild effect chains, and you're totally right. That because the bass player is like Mentis, it was everywhere. Yeah, the bass player, he's a Strandberg kind of guy, right? Like the headstockless weird yeah, stuff. I mean- He's played he a lot of things. Weird stuff like that. And the, yeah. I do at one point, the uh, the singer came out and was, he had this like weird MIDI controller and it was just a metal glove that he was wearing. Nice, he, yeah. This whole thing, I was like, <laughs> I, was, I had smoked some weed during that performance yeah. too. And I was like, this guy's playing this his made. fucking arm. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Beats was, the theremin. I mean, some of the stuff is nerdy, but you can't help but sure, it. Sure, like, yeah. There's something great about it. 
I yeah. totally agree. That's a, that's fun. That's awesome. I feel like that guy you he would use he there was a time he was with Modulus. There's a time was he he might have even played a Warwick at some point. I don't I don't know that for sure. But I feel like I remember like a modulus or a status or like something carbon yeah. fibery and then like the woolly mammoth pedal was like the thing. The yeah. little like hand painted little whatever. This is such a funny start to a podcast I never saw coming. That, that this we is were gonna dope. talk talk views. <laughs> talk about views, man. Into, straight into the nerd build. Awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love it. Dude. So it's interesting. I guess as like a background of us listening to Manchester Orchestra, it's funny because we were talking today and I was like, man, I think I don't remember what re- what year Cope came out. Uh but Me I neither. <laughs> yeah, like who cares? Uh, I, whatever year that was, I think every stone was like my most played on my on my iPod. Was like that song is the most played, and uh, I was yeah. so nice. into it. But let me ask this: it's it's one of the weirdest um, approaches to a mix. It's the most guitar heavy mix possible. <laughs> it's yeah. so like you. It, I literally was about to blow up speakers with it because it's just so <laughs> much like raw energy and power mm. like do you remember yeah. was that a conscious decision with all of you guys that you're gonna like we're gonna make this the guitar like track i mean the whole record is is kind of like that just heavy and thick it, it was man it was you know the band has was off a label and like yeah independent hadn't made a super heavy rock record in a while and we just wanted to make our version of pinkerton you know what i mean like <laughs> nice yeah. And that was the, that was the, listen, for me, I had no clue what was going on. That's when I joined the band and I had never played mm-hmm. a show with them. They called, they called me because they were transitioning their bass player and, you know, were like, we just need you to come in and write with us and hold it down. It wasn't any like you're in the band or mm-hmm. it was just, a, I was a friend of them, like kind of mutually and had played with um, like Chris Staples and Harrison Hudson and all these people that, you know, were friend I didn't even really know were super close with them. Um, mm-hmm. and plus I knew Tim, the drummer from way back in the day from Pensacola where I'm from. Um, nice. but I was living in Nashville at the time playing in a different band, my old band, the Gills. And I had just continually played with anyone and everyone I could just because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to make a career out of it. And it was like, I was just gigging and saying yes to everything. So, Eventually, that led to, you know, them asking around certain people and my name came up more than once. So all of that time put into like, you know, some pretty rough, non-paying, shitty gigs that we've all done really did really did pay off at that time. And it was kind of this cool moment where I was um, I was on tour in Chicago with this guy, Harrison Hudson, playing like, you know, little little shows very indie tour but super cool music this guy was like a diy guy and um he was close with him which i didn't know and and he wanted me so bad to be in in his band like as a member and i remember he came to me and his his head was just kind of down he's like um you're gonna get a call tomorrow Uh, (laughs) and and he he looks at me and he was really sweet though because he goes just say yes you know (laughs) yeah and i was like i was like what the hell are you talking about you know and um and so i got a call and they you know they said hey can you drive up to alpharetta where we're at in georgia and and come to the studio and and uh and uh, and we'll figure it out from there i was like okay and so showed up you know uh probably this was probably two weeks after that or it was pretty i don't know how long but pretty Mm -hmm. pretty close and um 
I had this huge, ridiculous pedal board with all this crazy shit all over it and like all this crazy gear. I had no idea what I was doing and just walked in the room and was like, okay, there's Andy, there's Rob, there's Tim, there's Freeman. I was like, this is wild. Like, because mm-hmm. I knew who they were. I didn't, I had met them very briefly before, but I didn't know them. Like, mm-hmm. um, and they're Manchester. It was like intimidating. They were a big band. Yeah, They've been around a long time. Um, and so we just started like, you know, plinking around on like one little riff at a time mm-hmm. and uh, built songs that way. And everyone was smoking cigs at the time in this little room. It was like a cloud of haze. <laughs> nice. And I did too. So I loved it. I was like, this is fucking punk rock. Like this right. is cool. And we were, and we yeah. were writing super loud Cope songs. So yeah. and we wrote like 40 of them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we just kept record. We had it. Um, we had pro tools on record all day and we would play it a hundred times as loud as you can imagine. Um, until we got something and then we got that demo and we come the next day and I did a week there and then, you know, went back home and then they called me again and it was like, nice. hey, do you want to do another week? And, and that went on for like a year or so. And, and I had, like I said, I hadn't even played a show with them yet. So that was pretty weird. And that's how we made, you know, and then I eventually they were like, hey, you want to come play a show? And, and it went from there. Yeah. That's it's crazy it. how iconic Cope is being yeah. your first record with the band. Yeah, like, I took about every single one of those pedals off that pedal board. <laughs> <laughs> so what what did it turn into? Like like what what did you end on with that record? End on? It, yeah. What do you mean, my gear? Yeah, like what what gear was oh. was that actual sound? Dude, at the time, I, I mean, I think I was running. Um, and I don't want to get this wrong. It was some type of shitty like guitar pedal overdrive what was it called and i, I think it was an ocd honestly yellow but, one the full tone the cream yeah it was a guitar pedal oh, but it right, was yeah, so yeah. so edgy and it would take all my low end out yeah perfect um, but the high edgy you know part of it was badass and mm, yeah, i could totally. turn the bass way up on the amp and mm. they i could be as loud as i wanted to they didn't care because their guitars were so loud um and the drums in the room. So it was just fun for me. I was like playing super loud rock like that. Like yeah. I really loved it. Cause I love nineties rock and all that uh-huh. shit. So do I. I, I just, I just fit right in with that. Cause we, we were all really happy when we, when we started playing together. So, um, there, you know, there were some other political kind of like rocky starts for sure. Cause I, sure. I was kind of a shithead going in and, uh-huh. and had no idea what I was really doing. Um, as far as being in a established band like that. And, uh, uh-huh had to feel out everyone's you know kind of personality but totally. it it taught me a lot and and it eventually you know it's it's working out to this day so yeah did you imagine yourself in a in a a band band like when you were kind of casting that wide of a net you know like we all kind of do if we're not necessarily in a band at the ground level like usually you're like man, I hope I can play for this chart artist or I play, you know, like that's the hope. It, it's, yeah. it just seems so rare to me that it's like, I get to be a member of a band now. Yeah, That's what I wanted so bad. I really wanted that with, my brother's a drummer and we grew up, we're 15 months apart. He's older than me. And he's the reason I'm, I was able to cultivate being a good bass player at all because mm-hmm. of the time I was able to put in playing with him, at, you know, whether at church or in a yeah. band. 
because he was so good. I had a good drummer. Like I was, I was blessed with that and he Mm -hmm. could play anything like any lick he would match it. And it was just that kind of, I got really lucky instead of having to like meet somebody and and make that, that connection happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I wanted me and him to be able to like have a career in music in a band that was a band, like wrote songs together. And we were, we were in the gills for years. We, you know, did that for over 10 years and, and burned it out. It's just, it never became a career. Um, and so mm-hmm. I did a bunch of gigging and I even played in a country band for over a year and like, like bubblegum pop country, like, right. and part of that I actually really enjoyed cause it was just so clean and kind of smart in the, as far as like the pop element goes. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I was, it was a gig and I was like, I did so many gigs. I got, I got tired of it. I was like, I don't want to yeah. do this for a career. I really don't. I I will. Cause if I can get a big one that I can make enough money from and it keeps me from having to do all these shitty ass jobs that I've been doing, yeah. then I will choose this route. And then I'll, I'll hopefully start my own band that I don't need it to be like career big. I just want to have an outlet to make something that I want. Yeah, That totally. was kind of my, that was kind of at the time what I want I was like, I'll get a gig that pays me good enough to pay my bills and then I'll have my own band that I can do whatever I want without the pressure of it being a career. That's what mm-hmm. I, cause I got burned out on doing that. So that was my plan, you know? And then I got, I got really blessed with, with being able to have both worlds and yeah. find Manchester and, and be able to, you know, develop a relationship with them and eventually write with them too. And it wasn't just a gig anymore. It was like, we're a band. Yeah. We're, you know, I've been in there for over 10 years now, which is crazy. So that's it. Yeah. You know, and it kind of speaks to the longevity of your band like it's i don't know bands it just doesn't seem like it seems like bands in your genre just don't go this long for for whatever reason like and your sound i listen i was listening to cope this morning and it's like it doesn't it doesn't sound dated it sounds great no it could come out now there's there's something there's something about it that even then and and you know moving to the newer stuff too and even though it's getting more, sometimes more atmospheric or electronic or visual or conceptual or whatever, it's still, it just has that same like energy to it that you're like, that's yeah. what, to me, that's what people like about your band is it's just like, it's that vibe and it like, there's something about the energy that comes from the music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's We're- kind of a, I mean, we're pretty aware of how lucky we are as far as getting along and and wanting to make the same music. And we we consciously protect that, you know. Nice. As we see all these other bands that, you know, we tour with and they they don't even want to hang out. It's like they'll show Mm -hmm. up at a get, you know, at a big festival or whatever, and like none of them are chilling together. They're, they just seem kind of burned out and dejected and not all of them. Cause we like, we like hanging out. Like if we see someone we know, we are desperate to, for a hang because no, we hang out with so, each other all the time, which is fun, yeah. but we're like, you come here, get in our yeah, trail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to hang out with us. Um, <laughs> no, that's sick. Just super social. And that, but that's why, that's what keeps us going is we, we can't make a conscious effort to, um, to not be, Try not to be dicks to each other or yeah. what, what we call a special boy. And that is, uh, that's anyone on a tour, whether it be a crew member or a band member or anybody that needs a, t- a little bit of special attention and, and <laughs> a more than someone else. And, you know, that term really helps us. It's like, are we feeling a little special today? Oh, like, that's um, awesome. That's a great word. For that's it. good. I'm going to have it, to steal it, that. Yeah. It, it kind of keeps you in check. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, 
Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, that's sick. Because it's yeah, we're it's you know we're in the trenches together, and yeah. it's like sometimes the situation sucks for everybody. Like right. it just you know it's super hot. Something broke. In ears aren't working. So you know whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. so you say this is trailer hang. Are you guys like a trailer hang band? <laughs> well, like at festivals, you know how you'll get a little trailer. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I got that's you. what I mean by that. We'll stuff as many people as we can in there, like at the end of a show, and that's <laughs> our whole crew will be there. Anybody around, like that's we just awesome. want people to come. So no, that's dope. Yeah, yeah, let's pivot a little bit to gear before we intentionally pivot out of gear. <laughs> um, yeah. Last thing I watched on you, it seems like you're getting, you know, you, you kind of have a clean tone that is amazing in and of itself and a dirty tone. A lot of that was Fender bass man situation. And you would say something like you're running through tubes like crazy because of how hard you're running it. Is yes. that still the foundation of your tone? Yeah, that's, I mean, ever since Fender made the, uh, super basement pro head, which uh-huh. there's, there's the Super Basement Pro Head. That's the the 300 watt big big boy. Yeah. And then there's the 800, which is like um uh what do you call it? Like um it's class D, it's solid state, but it yeah. still has some type of tube in it. I don't know. I'm not I'm not super techie, but it's super light oh, too. Great. It's like you know yeah, 15 pounds or something. They both have the same option, which is you have uh your clean channel. And that's like you have, you know, what you can control there with your EQ mm-hmm. on the left. And then you have, you can click over with a foot switch is what I use to channel two. And you can do it either way, but what I, I have it right here, but um, channel two, I have it fully gained out and then I have it <laughs> yes. fully blended. Uh-huh. And that is, and then I match the volumes from clean to dirty. Nice. Use the foot switch when I go to clean and, and then you nice. can adjust it's nice on your dirty channel because then you can add in your low end or if you need a little mids or a little more highs mm-hmm. to, to get the edge. And my, our sound guy will be like, you know, each show, each room is different. He's like, give me a little more of those highs that I need you to cut through a little more with the edge, but nice. it makes it, I don't, I don't need it, you know, um, overdrive pedal anymore. Cause it's, it's a perfect overdrive through the head. Nice. And yes, I destroy the tubes, <laughs> which which sucks because, you know, luckily these amps too have like an automatic bias. So it'll let you know when something's gone wrong. It'll give you a red, a red signal that says this tube's going out. Like that's amazing. Oh, wow. And it biases them for you. So it's a really technical. That's amazing. That's, yeah. yeah. It makes my life way easier because I'm a caveman. Like I, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't know what was going on. I used to blow yeah, amp heads all the time. And uh-huh. And this this head's been nice, and I, I use the um, the little eight hundreds too for like smaller gigs when I'm in town, mm-hmm. or I use it as a backup head. Like sometimes at a gig, you'll see I'll have the three hundred, and then I'll have the eight hundred on top because inevitably when it blows, I'll have the settings the same. Yep. I'll plug into that real quick. Um, at least as, it won't be as meaty and loud, but it, I can at least get through the show with a very similar yeah, tone. Yeah. yeah. I have a uh, I have a seventies Ampeg that I bought and I kinda I thought I was gonna take it on the road with me, but it's just it's they're so fragile. Like yeah. they sound great, but man, they're fragile. We did have it seems like kind of funny that Fender and Ampeg are both making a really great recreation of an SVT and of a baseman, finally, because yeah. um 
you know, the CLs, they, they might be like backline standard, but they blow and they are temperamental. And, uh, we had Dave Hartley from the war on drugs and he was telling us about like the, the Yamaha owned newer Ampegs. He always travels with two of them. He's like, it's never gone down. It's the first time I could ever say that. I, um, I listened to that episode. That guy's brilliant, man. He's I, so yeah, cool, I've man. I've seen his band two side stage, and they they were one of the few bands that had a full line array system side stage, so you could hear everything. Oh, that's awesome! Like, wow. I was like, I'm standing right here in front of the stack. Like, these yep. guys sound amazing, dude. It was, yep. it was. I'd like, to, I'd love to meet him. I've got mutual friends with him, but I've never talked to him. So. Shout out! We'll, we'll we'll throw a based cook off. There you go. To, we'll make some chili. A, try to have all the all the heavy hitters come to Lexington. Yeah. <laughs> How amazing would that be? Cook off, cook yeah, out. Dude, What's the he's a beast. Uh, yeah, and that show, like you heard me talk about on there, but like, like I just like weeped. It's like an experience. Like we talked, we started talking about Muse, and I would also say this about your band. Like it's this like atmosphere when the band yeah, plays yeah. together that you're like this is one of those things that you, it's, it feels like a very human experience. It yeah. feels like this is a live show. I have to see kind of thing. Yeah, it's just like yeah. that energy. It's so dialed in. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. For your stuff too. Like, again, it's, it's, it's that energy that makes it. And honestly, it's your, that it's your energy that blows up fender heads too. Yeah. That's which, hilarious. That, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's part of it. Um, before that, I feel like I was seeing you use the space echo pedal. Um, but I never, I never necessarily knew how you were using it. Are you still using it? And what would you do with it? I mean, to be honest, mainly I use it for in between noise. Like if uh, a song or going out, you know, you can turn it on and then just hold it down and it'll, it'll do the like kind of ape squeal. Um, oh right! Overdrive pedal on while you're doing that it sounds fucking awesome. Uh-huh. Um, Sick. I also used to have a tremolo on. Which I, I've stripped my pedal pedalboard down to like very minimal. Love that. But I used to use a tremolo with the delay on with like uh, overdrive pedal, and it would just make the coolest like intro wild sounding because the, the tremolo would be going <laughs> off, and the, the delay would pick that up. Uh huh. But yeah, I, other than that, I will use like, um, you know, the delay, especially if I'm playing like thirds, you know, you can play uh-huh. thirds like on your E string and your G string instead of doing it right there on the, mm-hmm. the A string and kind of play a chord that sounds pretty. And I'll use it nice. for, song, you know, songs like the maze or something like that, which is like a really mm-hmm. pretty like, yeah. Uh, and I use a lot during recording. You can even, you know, if you're using like a muted picky sound, I really like delay on stuff like that too. So mm, cool. Um, not using it a ton live, but it's still inspirational when we're writing. And, and if I want yeah. something just really airy and, and pretty sound, I just love that pedal. It's always been fun. You know, mm. it's, I use it all the time for, for, I, I also play down in Pensacola. I moved back to Pensacola two years ago from Nashville after 10 years. And, uh, and rejoin my brother in a, a three-piece band with our friend John Hart, which is like the greatest guitar player I've ever met in my life. Awesome. Um, and just the best dude ever. Like I've played a bunch of gigs, bar gigs and beach gigs or whatever before, mm-hmm. but it's always been kind of stressful. And I yeah. did it for months back in the day. And this guy, like he's so good and so challenging for me to keep up with oh. and such a joy to work with that. It just, it, it's awesome because it keeps me in check. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have a gig um, Friday 
two days from now. And I have like, after this, I will be in here woodshedding because I've been gone for a week on a fishing trip and I have to play, you know, three hour, four hour gig. And I'm yep. like, dude, I'm not in shape right now. Like I, you <laughs> nice. know, first yesterday and my playing for that long, just my right hand, like I didn't have the strength to keep up with some of the songs. So yeah. It's a good challenge. Just it keeps me, you know, where I need to be, and and it's fun. So that's awesome. What's what's uh what's on the set list? What do we got? Oh God, um, <laughs> he has a lot of great, uh, you know, original material. But nice. we, just, God, it's it's old soul stuff, you oh, know. Fun. It's, it's Stevie Wonder, and great. you know, great. a lot of a lot of great bass stuff. Honestly, with when it comes to like, yeah, well, pentatonic patterns that, um that I'll learn. And then when I'm, you know, writing or using it, I'll use it on something else and completely totally. steal it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so it's, it's really helpful. This past couple of years, I had to like go back and I started just on YouTube and, and then I eventually started taking lessons again online just to be able nice. to keep up with you. Yeah. And it's really That's awesome. me. not, not that I'm anywhere with it, but I'm definitely at the place where, uh, I just was like, how did I not know this shit before? Like, just simple, yeah. simply a pentatonic scale, like a minor pentatonic scale and the way that it connects to the major pentatonic. And mm -hmm. you can use, there's three different patterns for each one and you can go all the way up the neck with it. And as, as long as you know the chord is major, here's the whole pattern there for you it. There you go. Yeah. I'm like, wh what was I doing like before? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, so it's, it's helped me a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah. I've started taking a little bit of lessons recently too, to kind of, kind of fill in the gaps of all the things that you're like, I'm supposed to know this, but yeah. if I'm honest, do I really know this? And that's, that's a big source actually, you know, pivoting a little bit to, for anxiety for me. Like there it's, especially in the age of the internet, you're just, or, or like TikTok. Instagram, you're scrolling and you're like bombarded all day with some of the best talent the world has to offer. Yeah. And Children playing to, to the fire and flames. You're, yeah. You're supposed to then <laughs> just like sit down and like not feel bad about yourself or like not s compare yourself to something. I don't, that's been one of the interesting things um, for me, especially, you know, playing with Abby Hamilton. Like it's, we're in an interesting position where we've got all these really fun amazing opportunities that we'll do this year who knows if they'll last we get to play red rocks which is gonna like change my life um and it's it's like that constant battle of like i don't necessarily feel good enough to do this but i feel like i i'm good in this band or i feel like i'm you know meeting a thousand bass players at a festival that could play circles around me but they're right. lower in the bill or whatever that means like do you have any, is there anything there that you, is that even a struggle for you? A struggle as far as other players being. Well, just like confidence in yourself. The compare oh, game. The comparison. Oh, yeah. the, like it, it was for most of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I was always comparing myself to other people and so in, like wildly insecure when I was younger. Um, like when I first moved to Nashville, I mean, I was just kind of. I was just young. I was like, mm -hmm. I was, you know, you see me walking around, I had long hair covering my face. I was smoking cigs, wearing a leather jacket, just trying to like put on this shield basically, right. you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Kind of like feel like I was cool and I wanted to make sure people knew that I was a, you know, a real fucking deal musician and I had right. something going on. I always had to prove that. And I, 
And uh, it got really exhausting. And it was because mm-hmm. I didn't really have anything going on. I was, I was like, my career was not looking great as far as making it a real thing. And mm-hmm. I felt that every day and I was the, getting older and older and working shitty jobs. And I, you know, I even had, I've told the story on recently on other podcast. I had this, this girl I was infatuated with at the time from new Orleans. And, um, you know, she was kind of joking with me one day and she, she knew a bunch of bands and was like miss cool music industry girl. And, and she's like, how old are you again? And I was like, um, I think I was like 25 at the time. I was like 25. She's like, dude, it's too late. Like, and she was totally joking, but I was so sensitive at that time, Uh like deep down that it crushed my soul. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like, I think think you're right. Like I really believed her. Um, So I went through a lot of that. And then of course there's players around me that were like way better. And um, I think, I, I think I just kind of found like, you know, bass guitar like i always i love other instruments i would have loved to have been a drummer or a guitar player it's just that's the first thing i picked up and i Mm -hmm. really spent time with and i was like how do i make this exciting and not listen to all the old tropes of like the bass player that just stands there all the like the jokes because it was i saw a bunch of bands and i thought the same thing i'm like dude this guy looks like he wants to do nothing else like you know (laughs) it's like I mean, the opposite of that. Like, he could be anywhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, it's like loathed what he was doing and not excited. So, um, I don't know. Plus, it was just a, a release of energy. And um, I, I'll even, I'm insecure about that too. Like, I'll go back and watch videos of us playing mm-hmm. and I'm like doing fucking karate across the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? You look like an idiot. And I, but at the moment, I don't think about that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, and everybody else thinks it's awesome. It's not gonna, yeah, because it is. Stop me. I'm just excited, and yeah, and I, I always, I grew up watching other bands too, where I was like, I don't think these guys realize what they get to do, right? Um, so so jealous, and I was like, if I ever get that chance, dude, I am going to make sure that it's 110. percent Everyone gets their money's worth, and even if it's just bass guitar, because yeah. uh, you know what I mean, like. I want to have a real ratty, loud fucking tone and do karate on stage. And that's what's, that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. It. That's, that's who, awesome. That's I, I love it. One day I'll be, you know, maybe uh, my body will break down. I won't be able to go too crazy. Cause trust me, I also love chilling and sitting there and thumping yeah. and just be, and, yeah, and being relaxed and playing something sexy. And like, I, I, I really love that too. But when it comes to rock and roll, it's like, that's my chance to get all that shit that I worry about yeah. out of my life. And I get off stage, I'm exhausted and I'll make a drink and be like, huh, like that. <laughs> yeah. That, that feels good. Like that's yeah. my chance to do that. So a lot of other people think, you know, they can think that's okay, but that's, that's just my thing now. So no, it's awesome. No, I, I find when I'm really kind of trying to get in that headspace as well, especially during our live show that it's, I, I end up playing better and I end up playing things that I don't think of when I'm woodshedding or whatever. Like I'm, I'm feeding off of crowd energy or band energy or drums or whatever. Um, yeah. That that just kind of takes it this much up a notch. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, let me say this too. There's other bass players that I watch that can just stand there stoic, 
And that is just as cool as anything else. Because the Pinot Paladino. Dude, I said, you talking about Pinot right now? <laughs> exactly, dude. He's got these huge fingers he's, just covering the base. He's so he's fucking so cool. Yeah. Just ripping. He doesn't need to run around because no. what he's doing is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, it's just the difference in, in people and it's all cool. It's just, whatever's your thing, like make it your thing. Don't try to, you know, don't try to be Pino when you're not. You exactly. I mean? Like <laughs> many have tried. I certainly try some days. It's, yeah. it's, but it, it's totally that it's like, and I, and I do think it's difficult to find your thing, sort of like a band finding their sound. Like you need to find your thing and and really hone in on that because that's what makes you unique because yeah we could study Pino Palladino we can yeah. study your playing or whatever and it we can get it close but it's not the same and at some point when you get to not just copy somebody you get to make your own statement into the world like that that's as much important and and to me that's that's what gives you a career yeah. Um, even if you are hired into a band that is playing other music, like it's yeah. still you playing it, you have to find out how to make it sound the best, the way your attitude brings it, you know, to the band. Yeah. seems you know, like that's you know such a major part of it. Something I just thought about too, like when I, when I first started in Manchester, all that shit, I had all that pent up energy and I was really excited too. Cause it, these are big shows for me yeah. and, uh, yeah. But I, at the time, we had a, our keyboard player, Chris, was, you know, up on the front of the stage on the other side. And I was behind Rob, the guitar player, like pretty close. Uh-huh. And this is for like the first few years of our band. And I would run into Rob almost every show. And like we would look at each other and be like, that's strike one. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And even there's one show where I... Like I got close to him and we were excited. I somehow got my cable wrapped around his left foot. And then I took took off across the stage to the other side of the stage. And I did not even see this happen. And it totally yanked his leg and made him fall. Like a cartoon. I like lassoed his leg and and yanked it out from under himself. And I didn't even see it happen. I'm just over there like, you know, jumping up on Tim's rise. Oh my gosh. And then we were like, we got to do some shit about this. But it worked itself out. Um, Chris, the keyboard player, left. And then I got... <laughs> I, they, they were like, you're, you're going over here. Yeah, we're moving you away from him. Now you have all the space you want to do whatever yeah. you want over here. You're not a danger to us anymore. So, Have you done the wireless thing? Or are you still plugged in? No, I'm still plugged in. I just have like a big 25 foot cable, and that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, maybe wireless would be a good idea, but I don't know. I like. I don't know. I like, Other people might also like that you're confined to to a radius, you know, yeah. around yeah. the rig. True, true. But yeah, dude, it, it just reminded me of that. That's so funny. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> those are the yeah. Those are the things you you always remember, and maybe in the age of the internet that people take videos of and put on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I've fallen plenty of times too. So like eat shit on stage, very embarrassing. So I have not yet. Have Any, you fallen on stage? Absolutely. Really? Uh, yeah. No, we <laughs> did. I, you know, I played in an indie band with my friends for a long time. So we're always jumping off the drums and amps and well, you know, it's just fun. And there's like a way to do it. That's like a rock and roll. Like he kind of meant to do it, but he definitely just fell kind of thing that <laughs> yeah. we're, we were super into. So I, I don't know. There's a great video yeah. of, uh, Damon Albarn, uh, from the gorillas and, 
what you know they have all these features like almost every song has a feature and it was like just at coachella and that the dude like mm-hmm. started his verse and then it just stopped and you see like damon look over and then all of a sudden realize like mid-song like oh he just fell like down Ooh. down off the coachella like the front of the stage yeah well the, they, they were not fully extended on that little like runner area but he Jeez. just goes Whoop. <laughs> and it, his reaction is really just funny. disappeared. I yeah. haven't luckily I haven't done a big drop like that yet because that's scary stuff. Like, it is scary. It's like what Dave Grohl did or whatever. Yeah, and, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Post Malone falling into that. Uh, did you guys oh, see yeah. that a, a couple months ago? Yeah, I didn't see that. But was, yeah. The stage was opening, but they didn't close it, and he starts just oh. walking and like takes a rib cage to the risers. I mean, it, yeah. it looked terrifying. <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah, dude. probably not where the conversation should go now. Yeah, because <laughs> now we're like now we're just scared to play on stage. <laughs> No, yeah. th- that's awesome. Um, I get you know another interesting thing to talk about would be like being a musician in the modern age, where uh, I hopefully don't get in trouble. Like every time we go out, we're just losing money. Like it's just yeah. you know yeah, there's there's merch sales and yeah, there's whatever else, but like it is so expensive to tour right now, and that kind of comes back on like your income as a musician and how you actually do this for a long period of time, you know? So do you have any advice about maybe how to keep finances or how to prepare yourself if you really want to do this for the long haul and not just for a period? Uh, yeah. I mean, that was funny early on because when I joined the band, there was definitely amongst my peers and people around me, it was like, dude, you made it. Like you got money now. You're right. You know, you're in Manchester, you're rich. And meanwhile, I was just making like a tour rate and Mm -hmm. not really making Mm -hmm. anything in between that and still running up credit cards, like in between tours, because I would take months off at a time. Yeah. And it was weird because I'd make tour money that was pretty good at the time. But, you know, if you look at the end of the year, it was like me having a very normal job, except for Mm -hmm. I paid chunks at a time, still Mm -hmm. had taxes taken out like everybody else. And I wasn't, it wasn't a crazy salary at all. So I, of course, when I was younger, I was like this, once I make that, you know, get in that band, I'm going to be good to go smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. Cause it's funny the, the way it looks, it's like you ride around on a tour bus, you're playing these big shows and for everyone that sees it, they're like, must be nice, dude. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and, it, and in ways it was, but it, it quickly, I had to realize like, this is not sustainable, especially mm-hmm. if I want to get married and like have a house and do all these things. And, right. um, you know, what I did, I, for one of my jobs back in the day, i I helped the guy flip houses and I watched him, I watched him buy these crusty little houses and I would just help him like redo the lights and paint mm-hmm. and do, you know, whatever it is, like rip out all the old sinks and put in new stuff. And I learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, he's like, I've made more money doing this than in the past, you know, 20 something years of working at this factory or whatever it was Mm -hmm. that he got like his pension from. He's like, if I would have known back in the day that this was the way to go, um, I would have just started then and quit my job. And Mm -hmm. it, it just got me thinking. And then I started studying up on real estate and, I had no money at the time, um, but I started listening to a podcast called Bigger Pockets Podcast, which helped me a lot. And that led me to audio all these audiobooks about finance and 
real estate and stuff I legitimately mm. knew nothing about. Like no one ever told me in my family about how to but budget or mm-hmm. how to like get a good credit score so you could go get loans or you need to make your you know income look a certain way so you can if you want to buy a house or just yep. just completely clueless so i wasn't good at reading either because when i opened a book it's like at 20 seconds in my eyes are crossed i'm over it i can't focus totally. audiobooks and podcasts were like just coming out at the time and I, st- I just soaked up everything I could. You know, I started with like the old rich dad, poor dad book and uh-huh. that like helped me rethink about the way money worked and, um, and just led to a lot of other books. And, and I was, you know, I learned how I could possibly buy a house without a ton of money down, which I didn't mm-hmm. have at the time. Um, and the first thing I had done is I had, I'd put aside, I think I had like five grand that was like the most money I had ever kept in my bank account mm-hmm. at the time. And it was from like two years of touring and putting money away. And we were, we were renting in Nashville and we were looking for a new spot to rent. My friend was like, you know, rent's going up. Have you thought about buying? And um, I was like, no, I never have. And eventually found this lady that, you know, helped me find a house that I thought was like, insanely expensive at the time. And mm-hmm. I was like, how am I going to afford this? It was $160,000. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Now you hear that you're like, that's impossible. Yeah. But at the time I was terrified and I was like, all I have, I, I called the loan officer. I, I got approved, but I was like, all I have is five grand, man. Like he's like, well, it's going to be a little more than that for like closing costs and watch everything once everything happens. But maybe we can put some in the loan. It's just, I just mm-hmm. watched the way that you can talk to these people and make something hopefully work for you. Mm-hmm. And so I bought the house as my residence um, and then had roommates that helped me pay the mortgage. And I yep. was like, this is way cheaper than the rent that I was going to pay. Mm-hmm. So that helped inform me. And then, uh, then eventually I met my wife and she moved in with me. And then I kept learning more and more about real estate. And I was like, there was a time in my life where I was so financially stressed out too, even after owning that home and doing that and learning all this stuff, I was like looking for quote deals all the time and doing mm-hmm. what these books were trying to tell me to do. And everything I looked up was like, I would do the numbers on it and it just wouldn't work. It, mm-hmm. Like it would fail over and over. And I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Like because on the podcast, you hear all these people talk about it's so easy. Know, yeah. It just worked out this right. way. Yeah. I found this home. And, you know, and I like, I remember basically getting to the point of tears. Um, and I had this red notebook that I had written everything down in. And I like, you know, I'm from a church b- background, but I'm, you know, I have not been in a long time. But that was the first time I actually got on my knees physically mm-hmm. and prayed. And I was like, God, please help me. Like, I am doing everything I can here. And, uh, and I don't know what else to do because I've made, I've made it where I want in music for now, but like, I can't keep doing this. I don't want to, you know, I'm going to be poor and be in debt for the rest of my life and, Mm -hmm. and doing what I really want to do, but not really being fulfilled and able to enjoy it. And basically having to fake it in front of other people because they think my life rules. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm I'm fucking so stressed out Mm -hmm. and unhappy. Um, it's such so a weird anyway. balance too between yeah. ha- re- like relating to other people where you're like, yes, I know I'm so privileged, but I still have these problems. And it's right. like sometimes the people you were around can't see past the privilege to like empathize with the pro- or at least, 
yeah. some of what I've observed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to talk about it anyways, because I was just, right. you know, I was trying to like, I've always been the type of person too, where I don't like to talk stuff up until it has actually happened. Mm. And I, I can actually show what is going on, like on paper and, and then not even, not that I would even brag about it or, you know, I don't like, I don't like doing stuff that makes other people feel jealous or left out. Right. Like, you know, the way people post about stuff or look what I'm doing and all this. I I think about being that person that sees when someone does that and feeling like, well, shit, like, mm-hmm. I wish I had that, you know? Um, so I kind of kept it under wraps forever and just kept studying, studying. And finally I got, you know, I had learned about something called seller financing where the guy I used to work for years ago, I made this big list of people. I called like everyone I knew that had some affiliation with real estate Mm. to help get some information and see if they had a property they wanted to sell. Finally, this guy was like, I hadn't talked to him in years. He was like, "Um, I'm actually selling some of my properties. And um, I was like, oh my God, well, let me, you know, let's talk about it. I was like, would you be willing to sell or finance me one, which is basically there's no bank involved. I, Mm -hmm. I, I gave him a low down payment. I think it was another five grand, which if you're to go through the bank, you have to put 20% down on, on any property that's going to be an investment. I was like, there's no way I have that amount of money. So, Mm -hmm. um, just, I got to get creative with it. And he said, yes. And that was the first, it was like a multifamily property, um, that needed a ton of work. And I was still terrified. This took months to get it. It took months just to get a lawyer that would write me this deal. Like everyone I knew would just say no Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Um, and then I just finally, I was like, I don't care. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try until I can't, I've exhausted this and I know Mm -hmm. that I've done everything I can. So Anyways, I'll end this story, but I, I got, you know, the deal went through years later, I was able to refinance it with my wife. And and then that rent finally started like coming through and cash flowing a little mm-hmm. bit. And then I saw the light of like, okay, this is now supplementing my income just enough. And yep. it's not like I'm making a ton of money right now, but in the future, I have a little bit of equity in something mm-hmm. to where if things really go bad, like if I get sick or have a big bill, like I could at least sell a property or yep, totally. I at least have a little bit of money coming in now to where if when I'm not on tour, at least I can pay my mortgage off or pay like the, just the bare minimum bills. Yeah. I also, I don't have new, I have two vehicles that, which I still have. I have two paid off trucks. One of them I bought it for a thousand dollars. The other one I bought 15 years ago with my brother that, you know, it's, there's no car. I don't need a nice new car. There's things yeah. like I've sacrificed and, um, and, you know, I've just now got to the point where I finally, my big dream was to always have a boat because I'm a fisherman freak. Um, uh, yes. And I, I still Great have to Instagram get a account. For, yeah. I was still, still <laughs> had to get a loan for that, but I find, it was the first thing I've ever really bought myself. That's like really nice. Uh-huh. And yes, it's a loan, but it's like, I would have never got to that place, you know, had I not done year, the last 10 years of slowly figuring and chiseling away at this. And I'm yeah. still like, mm-hmm. I'm still looking for properties. I'm still like trying to, trying to slowly do that throughout my career so that if the career drops off one day, I at least have some backup plan. Um, and obviously I will chat your head off about this stuff, but if anyone no, ever wanted great. to talk about it. I'll talk to him for hours. I want to help uh-huh. other people. Too. That's awesome. Musicians, like whatever you, how can I help you? Like that's yeah. my attitude. So, cause I had people help me. So man, that's dope. Yeah. yeah it seems like some, some band, like honestly, I, it seems like we hear over and over that property is what 
a lot of a lot of guys in your position end up trying to get because it's yes there's risk but that that equity thing is what is what's going to really matter to you when you're 60 or you're hurt at 40 or you know you can't hold a base anymore or the band breaks up or that that kind of mm-hmm. thing where you're like now I get to you know yes every a lot of people aspire to play music as a career but then when you get there or even if you're doing like a Nashville like a Broadway or something like that now music is your job and it like emotionally feels different for yeah. for people like me at least and so yeah. being really mindful when it matters when you're younger and and just chipping away at that steadily lets you go back to be like okay financial part is covered i can pay my bills and now i get to re-engage with music as that fun thing that i wanted it to be all along you know yeah mm-hmm. it's no that's dope just the, the last the last thing i'll end on to is just no matter what your financial situation is if you are dead broke you've never had above a thousand dollars in your bank account but you're still hungry for all this stuff like the, the knowledge is there mm-hmm. um Go out and, and get those audiobooks. Get whatever, you know, it's not that much to get a, like an Audible account each month. I think it's like 14 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And listen to Rich Dad Poor Dad and listen to all the real, real estate books because don't listen to other people that talk about, oh, it's impossible to buy a house right now and interest rates and blah, blah, blah. All you're going to do is just listen to them and be like, nod your head like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's impossible. Like, it's not true. Um, mm-hmm. There's always there's always a way to figure those things out. Yeah. And if it's, you have to have the drive, don't get me wrong. It's not yeah. going to come to you easy. But there's always a way to leverage money. If you have to borrow it from somebody, you make it worth their while and you pay them interest on it. And But I would say the first thing is just buy a house as a residence. Um, mm-hmm. If you can and... That will eventually pay off no matter what is if you live there for, say you got your whole band, like find a way to borrow some money from a family member or someone you know, where you know you're going to make the rent and buy it, live in it, have them help pay your mortgage for 10 years. Then you have some equity and maybe you could borrow from the house that equity and buy something else. That's like what I did. I bought a tiny little house in Nashville for that 160 grand. And then when I moved to Pensacola, I bought another house with my wife as a residence and used that left that house in Nashville as a rental. And I was like, Oh my God, I have a rental property. Like, and I didn't have to 20% down. Or if I started over, honestly, I would go out and try to find like a multifamily property. I'd try Mm -hmm. to find like a duplex or a fourplex because you can buy that with a a conventional loan as your primary residence Mm -hmm. over five units. It'll turn into like a commercial property. That's different. Yeah. You could buy that, stay in one unit with your couple of buddies and rent out the entire rest of the place and all, already start to have some cash flow come in. And yep. yeah, it's not going to be the best situation. It may be a roach motel at the time, but you can slowly work. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. I, I renovated a lot of the properties. So, um, roach that helps motel. yeah, good band name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll end the conversation there. But I know there's someone out there that'll eventually hear this and and hopefully be like, "All right, fuck, I'm gonna go listen and right. and try to figure this thing out because I'm this ain't working for me." Mm-hmm. And it'll help you have a music career that you don't loathe and eat you alive because you're not making enough money or whatever. Yeah, you know, at that point, you won't have an excuse anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Don't be a, don't be a victim when it comes to that stuff. Like, 
you know, yeah. don't let life happen to you. You have to go out and do something because no one's going to give you shit. And yeah. that's, that's how I, that's what I figured out at a late age too. I'm just now figuring this out. I'm 34. And it yeah. doesn't mean it isn't harder. Like it could be like in, in the current market too. Like it doesn't just because something might be harder doesn't mean that you still shouldn't do it or still shouldn't have to, you know, have that drive. I think, you know, the same way, like college is it for everybody and it's more expensive, but like just because it's not harder doesn't mean it's not important for some people. It's, yeah. it's sure. in that investment in yourself and, you know, yes, a house is not necessarily invested, but like if you know your internal drive and know this is something I really think I can do, it's, it's better than playing the stock market and like hoping somebody else has that drive, you know, it's just like now diversifying things is also really important, but it's like, I know I can take care of this and you put Mm -hmm. the time in to learn how to do it kind of before you jumped in as well. So that's all I I have a rant that's in a podcast that we we talk about property because like in Lexington, Kentucky where we're from, inventory is really low and like yeah, housing could go down, but it doesn't when you're playing the long game, it doesn't matter. It never goes down in that way. And if that happens, the American economy overall is like collapsing <laughs> and then we've got yeah. to work you know then we're trading water bottles for f- chickens and like yeah. it's like martial law but uh i was fortunate enough to buy a house uh at around that one hundred sixty thousand dollar mark and this was like four years before or three years before pandemic and that yeah. has set me up in such a such a great way like yes it was a risk and yes that you know like a dave ramsey would would tell me that i'm i was close but not ready yet but really like that changed the game for me um and it's cheaper than rent um it's just it's it's hard it's hard not to it's hard not to suggest it sometimes or at least find your side hustle like Whoever, so exactly. No yeah. matter what it is, it doesn't happen. Real real estate doesn't work for everybody. Like you, yeah. if you don't, I had kind of a passion for it. I liked fixing mm-hmm. up properties. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone likes doing that. Yeah. And, but there's something out there that you can do. Definitely. You just have to find it and go find a podcast about it. Go find a forum yeah. about it. You, you won't, you won't get stoked about it until you start hearing other stories about how they came from nothing and they figured this thing out. I mean, I listened to thousands of episodes of this and that's what informed me. I was like, Oh, this dipshit did it. I could, I could probably (laughs) like, what am I doing? Um, so, and, and even back in the day we bought these, you know, cheap now properties, which yeah, like it did come to fruition, but at the time, that 160 grand, people were telling me they were like, the market's all all you know sewn up already. Like this is way right. too much money. You're overpaying. The interest rates are out of control. Especially like, in Nashville. As I was saying, look at them now. <laughs> They're always gonna say stuff like that. It's yeah. like just make a decision. And then yeah, it might be risky. Make an informed decision. Listen to mm-hmm. stuff, but yeah. but make a decision, you know, yeah. do something. No, that's buy, cool. Man. Buy a t-shirt press. Make t-shirts. Yeah. Buy a like Sell used clothing on the internet. Sell used clothing on. Nick has a very successful vintage store. Yeah, that's that's, uh, yeah. that's how I can play music. Because I guys just, have got like what ten thousand followers. I got eleven something. Yeah, he sells like what? old sports merch and stuff. Yeah, what like, is it called? Uh, it's called Dad Closet. I'll uh, Dad, text this it is to an you later. official pump. All right, all right. Follow Dad I'll, yeah, I'll put why a big not? logo on. Yeah. Uh, I'll no. 
Dude, well, that's that's just kind of what I realized. What the margins that I could make on that uh, are ridiculous, and I've got free time at odd hours, like during the week. So I just garage sales. Like I do the Facebook Marketplace flip, which I think most us musicians are good at because that's. I mean, like, that's how we get all our pedals gear. and stuff. Yeah. As I said, that's how I got yeah. all my gear anyway. So then I was like, oh, but you're telling me I could find golf clubs mm-hmm. and flip those. And or you're like, great at it. Oh, dude, I'll flip, oh, yeah. I'll flip anything. I, I, I flipped tennis rackets the other day because I'm just, and I don't know anything about them, but like, <laughs> right. that's what enables me to play music, yeah. especially yeah. At, at our level where it's, it's, like I said, it's not lucrative. Like, we're mm-hmm. very much at the bottom of this totem pole. Like, I'm, I'm with a, just, a, I'm a Nashville. I'm just I'm with a Nashville touring artist at like uh, you know doing the corn dog honky tonk circuit and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it, I mean, that does not. It, you know, you have to have that side mm-hmm. hustle. Whatever you can't it retire is. off it. You can't retire off like a yeah. gig. Yeah, you know, because that's yeah. what it's freelance work. And so there's a great like at the beginning, especially if you're getting just a little bit of money. Like yeah. And maybe your rate is going up and you just think like, man, am I really worth that much or whatever? But like nobody is paying your insurance. Nobody is paying your gas money. Nobody, you know, it's all these other things that now the funny and hard part, maybe for both of us is people like ask what I do for a living. And I'm like, question. (laughs) I'm a freelancer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a contractor. I don't don't know Uh, what to say. Like. The main thing is bass I'm a playing, but to like, the government. yeah, manage video. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the heck am I? No, yeah. that's awesome. And and again, like, I think this is really important. That like, yeah, we could just sit around and do pedal reviews all day. But like, yeah. people who are really aspiring to like, this is important information to know that it is really hard, and the only way to do it, well, it gives you a substantial leg up, especially when you're young to start Mm -hmm. spreading it out Mm -hmm. because any, you know, it could change at a moment. A band could break up. You could get kicked out. You could do this. You could do that. You've, you've got to cover your basis, especially when you have a family, like it's a lot easier to ride solo and take on risk. But when you have a family, it, it it just, everything just keeps, you know, the stakes get higher and higher. So that's yep. awesome. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah. We, we appreciate you being open like that and pulling back that curtain. I think it's, it's <laughs> totally. not a curtain that gets pulled back often in, in, in the realm that you're, you're in specifically. So yeah. thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, no worries. And it's, yeah, it's never too late to start either. I mean, I thought when I started, I was like, I was hearing about these kids that are like 18 that have already had like 10 properties. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. God, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter. Just don't listen to other people. Do do whatever it is that you need to do to figure your shit out. So yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, so let's let's quickly pivot while while we try to wrap up in the next few minutes. Um, sure. What's something that's inspiring you right now? Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's a musician you're listening to. Like, or maybe it's like collecting nickname. Well, obviously it's fishing. So that's one. But uh, yeah, yeah, point about that. Yeah, because Les Claypool is into fishing too. Is it a base thing? Oh, I, it's, a is, yeah. it's a bass thing. It's a bass thing. Yeah, it's a bass thing, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that bass. Uh, get right. that bass, That's man. Right. You know, uh, I, I saw some videos of him fishing recently too, and he was fly fishing out of like a little, a little boat on some river. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, he's real deal. I'm, I'm learning how to fly fish now too, which has been just an awesome. Like, I'm obsessed with the culture of it and the old, you know, like. I listen to this podcast called Millhouse and mm-hmm. they interview all the old guides from like the sixties and seventies that have been doing it forever. And the oh, story is cool. unbelievable, especially 
like back in the day in the Keys and the Everglades. And like, this is back when people are like, you know, drug running from Cuba to the mm-hmm. States. They were like, you know, involved in some wild stuff where mm-hmm. you can make a lot of money really quickly and then just fish. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just, it, you know, it's, it would just make a great movie. It's like, uh-huh. but it was, um, but fishing's my pastime where, you know, especially fly fishing, it's hard. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, I love being in nature. I love appreciating nature and water. And I want to get more involved with environmental stuff. And um, I was blessed to grow up in Pensacola and have that as like, that's what takes my mind off of everything else. Mm-hmm. When I do it, it's, it helps with any type of anxiety or depression. And yeah. um, and that's, that is the ultimate release for me. Um, but yeah, other than that, as far as inspiration, I mean, I'm inspired by nature, you know, in that mm-hmm. way, but it's more of a rest opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I do want to get into more of the competitive side of it. Oh man. But Recently, what I've been doing, I also grew up skateboarding and uh, me and a friend of mine here in Pensacola, John Shell, started, we took a trip together to Tampa Pro, which is this big contest down there. And um, we met a bunch of people and he had been working for the past eight years on building a skate park in our city. Wow. And through like a just attrition, got it done. Mm. Um, three, he went through three mayors at the time that have ran their Man. course. Like, finally raised the money from the city. It was an, it's an amazing story. During that time, my band would come down and like play the fundraisers. And uh-huh. I always wanted to be involved That's and I was excited and we grew up skating together. And um, so that finally got done, but we were talking about, we want to have like the first event. We want to have pro contest here. We want to make this like a real thing um, mm-hmm. and put Pensacola on the map a little more as far as that goes. So I've been for the past three months straight, almost every day planning an event that's going to happen June 10th um, down here at the new skate park, which is awesome. There's pro skateboarders coming in like Andrew Reynolds and Jamie Foy and the new balance, some Red Bull riders and like, um, that's awesome. All these people like it's, it's amazing for this city. This city is really small and we somehow just worked out, met the right people that have, and created a small team of, um, being able to do this and like, you know, it's for the younger generation, seeing them come up and be, and be able to have a place that we didn't have when we were younger, we had a skate park, but it wasn't like this. This is like a 25,000 square foot concrete, badass, like mm-hmm. beautiful place to, to grow up and, and have. So that has just, just working on that every day, like finding sponsors to, mm-hmm. to help pay for certain things. I'm, I'm booking the bands for it. There's five local bands I found that are like, nice. I booked my old band, the gills, which I'm not in anymore. That's, that's awesome. There's this young, um, three piece girl punk band called taught behavior that like, Oh, I saw, I didn't even know these bands existed. I've only been back for two years in my hometown. Uh-huh. You know, I, I saw a video of them doing like a bikini kill cover. And I was like, this, this <laughs> fucking rules. Uh, and then there, I just kept finding like p- people found out I was booking for it. So they started messaging me and, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's all these great musicians, this band called ego death. And um, I'm into ego death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they've got that one song. Um, what's their big song right now? Do you, are you familiar I, with them? I, d- I don't know the name of the songs. No, no, no. I've, there's videos. I've definitely heard of them. <laughs> I'll show you later. It's great. <laughs> it's they're cool. cool and great band name. Um, Ego Death is a great. They're band. a Pensacola band. There's no also kidding, no. interesting. Um, 
there's a band called Death Cruiser that's playing, which mm-hmm. is a, an old Pensacola dude named Adam Roth that lives in Nashville now. He has a band mm-hmm. called Grizz Folk, and this is his solo project. So gotcha. he's helping us plan the event and also playing nice. a, a local sound company that used to do the, the main guy used to do sound for like my beach bar bands. Everyone's like connected <laughs> uh-huh. in a way, meeting people and reaching out cool. and who's going to provide the you know, the liquor distribution and who's going to do the stage and who, where's the generator coming from and where are the barricades and how do we get a permit from the city? And yeah. it's like on, on and on, but it gives me energy because it's, nice. that has been so inspiring for me to do and what, and be on the other side, like of booking and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they're like, aren't you going to book your band or play? And I was like, I, I, I don't want to, I'm like, I just want yeah. to on the side of it for a minute. And yeah. that's going to happen June 10th. And I have tours like lined up. We have a big tour with uh, Jimmy world actually in July, nice. which is beautiful. another story that is so exciting. Um, but in between now and that time, I, I have this cool thing I'm able to focus on. And uh, once we do the first one, we'll eventually work towards the future of doing like a yearly contest. So mm-hmm. it'll be something hopefully I get to do throughout my life and watch grow when I'm not touring. So that's, that's awesome. just like the most I've needed it, man. I've gone I've gone through some some serious lulls, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the past few months of I'm happy on paper. Everything's great. I'm living right. in Florida. My wife loves it. We have a sweet house. I get to fish, but you're still like, there's life as perfect as it can be. You just go through these things. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? I feel like yeah. like everything mm-hmm. I do is for myself. And um, when you start doing things for, you know, like for other people, all of a sudden this energy kind of wells up and gets you more excited again. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I won't have those times, but for now I'm pretty pumped up on, on working mm-hmm. and, and watching other people get a chance to play and have a, some type of platform, especially in this city to like play a sweet show in front of a ton of people. And, you know, anyways, that's, that's, that's awesome. what right Perfect. Now. Man, I have a, my only like small history with Pensacola is that, uh, my, my dad was in radio and, and especially before my parents split up, like we would move where he would be in radio and that's how we got to Lexington, Kentucky. I've been here since I was seven. So it's home. But, uh, at one point, uh, you know how clear channel and all the other, or I guess it's iHeartMedia now, like they just kind of buy up all the radio stations and stuff. So when he yeah. left with there, he had a non-compete. So he had to move somewhere where there was an independent radio station that wasn't owned by it. So he moved to Pensacola, Florida Oh, and, it wow. was, and it was probably a couple years before the oil spill. And I was in my emo stage, so I didn't go out very much. But uh, yeah. I would live there during the summers <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I just, the only tidbit is I remember that that guy, it was called Cat Country. And that guy yeah. made all of his DJs have cat names. And so my dad, <laughs> I had, he, oh. he would have to tell people his name was Catfish. <laughs> and he'd be like, what up, Catfish? What's going on? He gets so pissed off. It was awesome. That's yeah. perfect. That's my only that, Pentacle that, experience. <laughs> that station's still co- going strong here. Sure. They're actually, yeah, they'll be at our event. Like very nice. You know, yeah, the guy yeah. would never record. Well, I mean, he wouldn't know me. My dad quit pretty quickly after that, <laughs> which is funny. But yeah, highlighter yellow uh, shirts and stuff, and like, yep. heck same. yeah, still still doing. Yeah, man, that's perfect. it's independent. Which independent radio? If you're still going, like, hats off to you. It's impressive. Man. I agree. Yeah, I agree. There's cats off you, man. Cats, cats off, off you, man. Ooh, that's good, <laughs> dude. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Uh, again, like profoundly honored that that you were even willing to do this. Uh, huge sure. fans, and like, hope your hope your skate park uh, opening fundraiser goes really well. Yeah, dude. 
Yeah, we're excited, man. Um, <laughs> dude, thank you guys for doing this, man. And if yeah, y'all ever yeah. want to come hang out at a show or whatever, hit me up. Um, Love to. Absolutely. That would be fun as hell. You know, uh-huh. meet the guys and chill at uh, at a Manchester show, which I'm dying to play another one after, especially after cancellation at Shaky Knees. But yeah, that'll that'll be this summer. Um, I want to do a quick shout out to just a few. If you have anyone you're looking for to be on this thing, I couldn't help but think about some of my buddies that are killer players. Yeah, yeah, um, dude. I got to give a shout out my buddy Joel Parks in Nashville, which is just he plays for a ton of different people, but uh-huh. it's like he plays double bass and electric and has nice. like I'm so envious of just just the way he his fingers perfectly. He's uh-huh. like trained really well and just so good. And it, I've stole a bunch of his effects ideas. Um, nice. my buddy Finley that that's down here that gigs with everybody and is just like the sweetest dude ever and just unbelievable like <laughs> blows me away for sure um, Sean Peterson's another guy that's down here that does video stuff and is like the sickest bass player um, these are guys I grew up kind of wa- around and watching yeah. and being jealous <laughs> um, my buddy Dane Poppin which plays for Dashboard Confessional would be a great um, oh. interview yeah. yeah, he's played for a million other people. He's sure. killer. Um, Nick Salicito plays for a band called The Deer Hunter. He's technical, amazing, super sweet guy. Nice. And this guy is very like um, Ed Breckenridge from Thrice. Is uh, uh-huh. he he builds his own like grabber bases and oh, he's, wow. he's a badass skateboarder too. He's like every <laughs> I like I look up to him. Big time. So, and he's he's just the cool. All these guys are like the nicest. So, yeah, that's um, awesome. Sounds like we have a work cut out for us. <laughs> yeah, they would be a great hang if you want to talk to them. But I had to give them a shout out. So they would. They. I would just. I want to hear them on here. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah. Be cool. cool, dude. Tell them to hit us up or give it. Give us yeah, a list. Send, we'll, send us a list after this. We'll hit up every single one. So, dude, thanks again, and uh, thanks for watching. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, Bye. thanks guys. Bye.